Hi, you are listening to the Decolonizing Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Panetta, coming to you from Piscataway Territory, otherwise known as Baltimore, Maryland. I happen to be recording today on Undas, aka Aro Ang Mga Patay, or Day of the Dead. In the islands now known as the Philippines, this is a practice of pre-colonial origins where people would spend time visiting family graves and communing with their ancestors. I'm not able to visit my ancestors' graves in person right now, but my work, my values, and inspiration are rooted in those that came before me to contribute to the liberation of those that come after me. This is why this podcast centers black and brown practitioners in conversations about decolonization and healing work. I've got a few quick announcements to list off for you all. I am very excited to share that my first ever zine is now available online in a digital format. It's called Metal Ritual Plus Reflection. This zine is part of a seasonally themed series on the five phases of Chinese medicine. If you are interested in working with me one-on-one for Gila or Chinese medicine, my books are now open for November and December of this year. For more info on my work or to sign up for my email list, go to linktree slash Jamie Panetta Healing Arts. And that's linktree spelled L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E. My guest for today is Kua Jasiri Indomela. Kua Jasiri is a seed plus medicine plus birth keeper, storyteller plus wordsmith plus coach. The one engages in international writing and speaking opportunities that affirm people of heritage. As an intersex Ghanaian Cuban, the one is immersed in their ancestral traditions, liberation, and rest. The one infiltrates able-bodied, pale or white, and cis-led spaces, advocating for us marginalized folks and resource return. This founding steward of artistic apothecary currently resides on Taino territory otherwise known as Boriken. Okay, welcome listeners to the Decolonizing Medicine podcast. And I'm so excited for today's conversation with Kua Jasiri Indomila. Kua Jasiri, would you like to do a quick introduction of yourself? Hi, uh, my first name is Kua Jasiri, and I am an intersex Ghanaian Cuban Seminole Creole Zulu. Um, I guess I like the six words um, seed, medicine, birth keeper, storyteller, wordsmith, coach. Oh, I love it. So I'm, I'm so excited to ask you questions about the work that you're doing. It's so fascinating. Um, and I'd love for folks to learn more about it as well. So how did you, um, how did the artistic apothecary come into being? What, what is the artistic apothecary? Thank you for having me in the space and stewarding this space that we all need as community. Um, I'm the founding steward of Authentic Creations Artistic Apothecary. Um, through the cultivation and distribution of cultural seeds, we affirm the societal, the societal greatness of gender queer people of heritage, people of culture, 
people of the global majority, also known as people of color. So we use a genderqueer umbrella term to work with um, kind of like two-spirit, intersex, non-binary, agender, genderless type um, gender identities. Um, we're naming for ourselves, by ourselves, who we are. So we're definitely creating narratives for ourselves, getting our narratives out there. And then it's all kind of culminated with this um, back to the land movement, I would say, with the seeds as our main focus. And I think refusal as kind of our second modality as far as um, societal practices go. We're just like teaching people to refuse that, refuse those narratives and a lot of embodiment work, I would say. And so how that is what we do and how we came into existence, I would say when I was 20, I graduated college and I was just frustrated um, with all this education. I was unable to like meet my own needs. Um, and so to remedy that, I started researching, found do-it-yourself and rewilding practices or movements or uh, communities that were centered around nature. So I began growing my own vegetables, which led me to perennials, wild plants and foragings, which um, then kind of led me to seeds and my ancestral love of seeds that I now cultivate. Um, the next Sun Cycle, I teamed up with the Indigenous Diné Solidarity Network and um, through the love and sharing of their culture, the Diné elders kind of let me know that I had gifts to give them. And so I kind of created Artistic Apothecary as like a platform where I could put my skills and craft into the world and support my community. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, could you just expand very quickly on the term rewilding and what that means? Um, sure. I guess to me, rewilding is um, a back to nature movement uh, predicated on this thought that we are domestic right now. Like humans are domestic. There's a lot of other animals that are domestic. Um, and so rewilding is like reestablishing our spot in nature. Um, because we are part of the natural cycle. Um, and so like, once again, doing that duty. That to me sounds like such a key component of what decolonization means to me. And I just like didn't, I hadn't heard that term before. So thank you um, for bringing that into the conversation. Um, I was looking through your website and I saw this quote that really struck me. And it's, I have found one-to-one -one relationships to be where transformation happens. Uh, can you expand on that a little bit? Definitely. I would say in um, my own life, I'm just noticing. That's like a main thing that I do. And so I'm just noticing um, what's going on and I'm just noticing there are so many types of relationships and we're always in relationship um, and so uh, I wanted to kind of share what I think some types of relationships are because I think what in my own journey I kind of started noticing like 
oh, I only have like these three boxes for what a relationship is or can be with, who it can be with. Um, so just very quickly, just the six types of relationships that I was thinking are kind of like society. That's like a social media platform, email, messages that we're getting through newsletters or videos or books, humans, um, which are the ones that we probably know most commonly, um, including generational attachments, community relationships with groups, um, cultures, religions, events, um, and nature. That's the one I'm trying to bring back is with the plants, the other animals in the land. Also, we have relationship with places like locations, the dream world, if we ever have out of body experiences, that's a place. Um, and our relationship to regulation. So societal norms, structures, rules, policies, um, schedules, calendars. Um, so that's kind of like why I went to one to one because I got a rest coach, I have a spiritual coach and uh, work with beings one on one in the spirit world and I started tracking those relationships and I noticed it's easier to track those relationships and grow and evolve and notice your patterns um, and how you show up in the roles that you play in these relationships, which I think is kind of like a deep work or at least where we are right now, this is deep work um, that the structure of one-to-one -one really curates like tailoring it. You have someone who's there usually with skills that they're offering you, you're giving like your vulnerability, this is what's going on for me and how I'm interacting with that. Um, and so that's what I love about maybe it's humanness, but the relationships and the dynamics and um, the maybe intersections. And so there's so much going on when you think about a relationship and how you're engaging with it. And so I'm just noticing that one-to-one really just allows for, I would say, exponential growth. Um, but then also knowing that like group sessions are also, they have magic too. Um, it's not just like one or the other. Mm -hmm. I find one-to-one -one work to be um, like pretty deeply intimate. Mm -hmm. And it's like being, it's being held in a much different way um, than in group spaces. So I, I definitely appreciate that. And I think that's a very special type of, of relational work. Can I also say, as a coach, I am learning to, to let go, right? Because there's, there's an element of control that you can have in that position of like supporting someone else's growth and to really be able to allow them their own control of their life and their destiny and not pushing anything on that and kind of that balance is what I'm learning in my my own practice of being a coach is really letting letting it come through me but not be like about me or my goals or objectives for that person it's all of them and the skills and talents that I can offer them to move them forward on their journey mm -hmm. It sounds like um, it's a real practice of of boundaries and like decentering 
of the self yeah, like in that. order to help the other person manifest whatever it is that they need to manifest. Yeah, decentering self. That is what I'm learning right now. <laughs> so I'm curious what does um what does your your coaching practice look like? What is liberation coaching? Yeah, I call my practice liberation coaching. And so I want to help people with their psychological and societal blocks, offering remedies for generational trauma, breaking generational curses, and overall just like a freeing of ourselves. Um, I offer in the sessions my skills in meditation, rest, play, herbal medicine, magic, spirituality. Um, And I always bring in kind of my own ethnicity and gender and sexuality, but also that of the person and really wanting people to connect back to what their ancestry is, their culture, things that have been taken from them and really um, kind of tailoring the spirituality even to like bringing up ethnicity and gender and sexuality for that person. And then of course that all is just rooted in a back to nature um, way of being. Mm-hmm. Um, can I ask a clarifying question about that? Sure. With uh, when you're working with folks who might not know their ancestry or maybe have a contentious relationship with their ancestors, or maybe they don't feel unsafe, or, or maybe they feel unsafe connecting with their ancestors, how do you approach that? Usually like I was saying, bringing it back to the land. Like usually we know our continent of origin and to connect with that land base. Cause usually um, the contentiousness isn't with the land, it's with the humans. And so we can, um, and I'm noticing in my own journey, right? Of Africa, Cuba, all of these places that I am from, specifically Africa right now is just working on that relationship with the continent itself, the land mass. Mm-hmm. Do it. Um, what do you need from me? What do I need from you to feel safe and all of these things to remedy our story? Um, I'm kind of starting there and also not pushing it. Like if anyone isn't ready for ancestral work or ancestral connection, understanding that we all have stories and we're all in a different part of our story and you don't, you don't need an ancestral connection to um, be on your journey. Um, so that's what it is too. Like maybe I give a little push or I give some, hey, let's just talk about where you're at. And then, um, you know, do you wanna push? Do you wanna get to the other side? But then also like, I'm constantly talking about my ancestry too, because I'm mirroring everything that's going on, giving my examples of, lived experience and I live, you know, in not in harmony, but like in tandem with my ancestry. Um, And so it comes up and I've heard some people just like, you just kept talking about it. And after a while, you know, I started hearing it differently, you know, and that's, that's just a journey for everybody. You, You plant a seed or you're authentic and your example of self radiates around. I really appreciate that. Um, I I often get the question, uh, 
I'll, I often get questions from people on how to connect to their ancestry because they live in diaspora and they feel disconnected in all these ways. And I do really think that nature is one of the ways to get at that, to get at one's ancestry and to get that connection um, that's maybe less threatening for folks. So mm-hmm. I absolutely relate to what you're saying there. Um, I'm gonna ask another question. And I am wondering what you mean by the five aspects of thriving and how do we balance that? Yes, and I wanna say thank you for your questions. I'm very clear about what I need sometimes and your questions really like challenge me and put things in perspective and aligned it. And um, that's been really exciting for me is just interacting with your questions. So um, I usually start with balancing the five aspects of thriving. So living, loving, being, resting, and doing. And so then we're um, like highlighting resting and going in on that. And I would say a little bit of a definition, at least for this shared space of soothing activities, resting, communal care, spirituality, play, pleasure, imagination, is kind of like in this box that we're working with. Um, So I would also say rest is a hard choice, a journey, a routine, an embodiment, and a breaking of a curse that has been placed on us by our captors, enslavers, colonizers, capitalists, sexists, racists, and able-bodied folks. And so just to give that kind of like disclaimer and rest is for everybody. It's inherent, it's a basic dignity, Um, And it also is for the land. We keep kind of circling back to the land. The sacred landscapes are where the earth goes to rest. And so spiritual landscapes that humans go to, to rest and play and connect and give gratitude and pray and other animals do that. The earth then is rejuvenated there like our planet. And then the earth draws from that spiritual space to do the work of like supporting all the life forms. So I think it's important to understand like how important rest is (laughs) in general. And so then I wanna highlight the work of Trisha Hershey of the Nat Ministry, um, my rest coach, Sion Davis of Trace of Sion. And so I think it's always just important to know like this is where this came from. And so the seven or how I'm gonna lay the seven aspects out for you are done by Dr. Chandra Dalton Smith. Um, so the seven, let's start with sensory. So some of your senses are here, touch, taste, see, smell, energy, and spiritual. And so I like to start with sensory because the two habit forming hours are your first hour awake and your last hour to sleep um, before you sleep, the last hour before you sleep. And kind of in these habit forming hours, the more that we rest in them, the more that our body like chemical makeup will inhale, like it will want to rest because these are the habits that it's creating and these are how it forms habits in these two hours. Um, And an easy way to do that is like to dampen your senses somehow with your sensory rest. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then second, we'll do social. So those are the um, 
how we contact and engage with other people and especially our social contracts that are verbal, nonverbal, energetic. Then we have the third one as emotional. So those are the boundaries and our self-expression. And so then we have four creative. And so that's, um, I guess being creative, whatever that means to you, which is kind of like imaginative and inspiration, your imagination and your inspiration. Um, and I think some of like your affirmations are there if you're getting like affirmed. Um, and then um, where are we five? So that's physical rest. And I think that's what a lot of people think when you say rest, they're like, oh, I'm sleeping eight hours. I'm taking naps. Um, you know, I'm putting my feet up. So that is sleeping and napping um, are the passive forms of physical rest. And then there's like restorative activities. So these are engaging physical rest. So maybe you're stretching, you're getting a massage, you're taking a bath, um, you're kind of doing something soothing, but you, you got to put in a little bit of effort um, or anything that like improves your circulation, getting um, anything like that. So then we're at six is mental. Um, so if you think like you're getting a headache or just kind of like any kind of nervous system things can be mental and to remedy that you're taking short pauses. Um, so just thinking about that mental rest. And then the last one, the seventh one is spiritual. So, um, this is like your prayer, your meditation, your altars, your magic, your herbal medicine, your outside time um, connection. So what I like in this one is that spirituality, spiritual rest gives you belonging, love, acceptance, and purpose. And so um, kind of like sensory rest, we're talking about the habit forming hours in spiritual rest. There's when I guess people say it in a lot of different ways, but how it's easiest to connect with the spiritual realm. So that's the hour before sunrise and the hour after sunrise. And then also in the winter or whenever like um, the sun is most waning uh, in your hemisphere. Um, so those are great moments to get spiritual rest because it can be amplified. Those are the seven was just thinking about well first of all thank you for sharing that um my brain is just it's like ticking away and i'm thinking about how um how these different activities will intersect with each other so that you have like a combination of different kinds of rest that are necessary like for example i was i was just thinking about when i do um, spiritual readings for people through Hilot, which is uh, the traditional medicine from uh, my ancestral lineage in the Philippines. And like, I, like, if I'm not good about my spiritual and energetic boundaries, that kind of information or that kind of activity just, it wipes me out. And it's a very different fatigue than physical fatigue or emotional fatigue. Um, yeah, I just, I appreciate you breaking it down that there's a different kind of spiritual rest 
there's a different kind of rest we need for creativity, which I mean, for me, for this past year, um, because I'm like working on my small business and I'm constantly generating content for social media or for my newsletter, that takes so much energy and that takes a different kind of um, recuperation than other activities do for me. So it's it's such a nice, um, what's it called? I, I appreciate the structure around talking about rest because then I can be more specific about how I actually can rest myself and be more strategic about it. Love that. Thank you for sharing. And that also, I wanted to bring up in my practice. I'm, I'm just see, I'm just noticing a lot of after work rest, like a specific moment to rest, and kind of like we were talking about the habit forming hours or the sunrise in winter. I think that like hour when you stop rest, but when you stop working, whatever that money. Mm-hmm activity is for you or just kind of it doesn't even have to generate money you know that's that's a capitalist mindset and right I that in. um but um i i'm saying whatever work means to you having a after work rest routine of some kind um because what you're saying identifying how you exhausted yourself realizing that that did exhaust you and figuring out that actual plan of care that will remedy um, the exhaust you have. Right. And the, and the like a plus action is how can we do these things without reaching a point of exhaustion at the end? Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's the prevent, that's the real preventative medicine is how can we do it without exhausting ourselves? (laughs) I love that you said that because I feel like we live out in like a burnout space with like activists, grassroots, community organizers. I feel like we have this like, yeah, just do it till you burn out. But it's like, no, how can we recognize what these signs are and the messages they convey and remedy that and Mm. never have to like be exhausted or yeah. you know, not for long, you know, you can recruit, obviously we'll get exhausted, but then we can recuperate and stay connected. Exactly. I'm like, I want to keep having a community. I don't want us to burn out and never want to engage again. <laughs> or, or how like, cause there are, you're right. Like there's times where we can't afford or can't avoid to rest or where, sorry, I said that weird, but there's times when we can't avoid exhausting ourselves. Like it happens for whatever reason, right? So how can how can we have agency in that? Like if we need to choose or if we're put in a position where we are, we know we're gonna exhaust ourselves, like how can we do some harm reduction in that? And how can we prevent that from happening again in the future? Yeah, I love that harm reduction. You're using all these terms that I love. I'm like, ah, I love Because <laughs> it's real, you know, like sometimes it's like you got to push through for whatever reason, yeah. you know, like maybe everybody's sick in the house, but you're the least sick. So you're the <laughs> one who has to go to get the groceries or whatever, you know, like, for sure. like we can't, we can't have it like perfect all the time. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not real. Um, but, but what can we do, right? That's where we can start.
If you are loving this podcast and want to support captioned episodes on YouTube, head over to patreon.com slash Jamie Panetta Healing Arts. You can also review and like us on Apple Podcasts and share episodes with friends and family. Thanks so much, everyone, for your support. Let's talk about burnout a little bit. How are some of the ways that people might start identifying that they are becoming out of balance um, or feeling burnt out or, you know, acting out of alignment with themselves? Right. There are signs. There's always signs, no matter what we're going through, whatever relationship type we're in, there are signs of all kinds of things, right? Things going positive, things going negative, things are difficult, easy. Um, So we can have burnout in any kinds of our relationships. I feel like we usually think of human relationships, but I feel like I'm burnt out on some places, some rules, some things like that. And also trying to figure out harmony in my body. How can I be at peace, even if like the chaos is all around me? Um, So that was my journey for you. Back to the six areas to notice burnout. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would say first is your energy level. Are you exhausted? Were you high energy and it got sapped really quickly? Do you kind of always have a slow drain? Um, Are you wanting to stay in bed? The second is noticing your body. Do you have tension? Do you kind of have like bubble guts or do you have just real stiffness or feel rigid? Are you always out of your body having out of body experiences? Uh, Three, maybe your emotions, frustration, anger, they're sending you a message. Um, and so noticing your emotions and noticing your emotions, like, do those always come up right after I stop like engaging in that relationship or while I'm engaging in that relationship? Um, fourth is your routines. We have like a spiritual, social, hygiene, money-making routines, hobbies. Um, if you're noticing any of those routines start to fall away, um, that's, that's definitely a sign that you're moving towards burnout. Um, so five, I would say your self-expression. Are you able to say no? Are you saying yes? Do you have self-praise? Um, are you just like expressing your needs like, oh, yes or no? And this is like, you know, my added specifics. Um, six is like your creativity. Are you less playful? Are you unimaginative? Can you not imagine a future in that relationship? It's kind of like, you know, if it ended today, you know, that's as far as my mind can go today. Um, and then the last one, seven, I would say determination. Um, do you have excitement to do the task? Do you frequently cancel? Do you frequently cancel at the last minute? Um, are you unable to hold information um, in your mind, which is a little bit ableist, but to your capacity, like, you know, while you're in a meeting or if you're planning a session, are you just keep like, just all of the pieces, all the moving parts, just you know you can't keep it in your mind you can't move forward with the thing that you're trying to plan are you less creative when usually um you have a lot more ideas um in that relationship so those are things to notice and i feel like um i'm excited to be in a community that identifies that and notices them and helps each other like hey i noticed um you had this going on for you maybe you're feeling like a little bit like tension in the space. Is there something we could do or, you know, noticing it for each other, noticing it for ourselves, having spaces that, you know, these are our norms. We're noticing this for each other, things like that. 
I love hearing all of the different ways to identify when we're experiencing burnout because I feel like there's a misconception that people think um, burnout is a very emotional experience. And for a lot of people, it's it's not necessarily um, felt in the emotions. It's like a very physical experience. For me, it's very physical. Um, I remember back when Trump was elected, uh, I was working in a community clinic at the time. And obviously this was a very stressful experience for a lot of people. Um, and I remember that day the clinic was flooded with people and everyone had the same complaint, which was neck pain mm. from the stress of like, you know, like following the campaign um, yeah. and then finally election night. And I just saw that as like, you know, a collective experience of, of ongoing stress and fright and all of these emotions. Um, yeah, it was it was just very interesting. And then I remember that following that winter after that election, um, we had a huge amount of respiratory issues coming into the clinic related to grief and fear for um, a lot of queer folks, a lot of community members who knew they were going to be more vulnerable because of that election. Uh, yeah, like it was it was really sad to see and also just really interesting to to see what was happening on a, a more collective level of burnout. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, and for those of us who are not working directly with plants, like through seed saving or farming, how can we connect more deeply to nature? I love that. And I also want to say separation is an illusion. So we're all doing the same things. People who work directly with plants can do the same, right? It's the beginner moves, I guess, um, of, you know, someone who's like far along on the journey and someone who's um, just starting out. So, and when you loop around, right? When you, when you learn something new, like within the plant world. So um, I would say there's a lot of ways to engage and be creative right? Like if, if a message is coming to you or if a plant is calling to you, just like go with whatever's happening. <laughs> um, but my favorites are drawing or photographing plants, like just right outside my house, like what's out here and then kind of going further in my neighborhood and then going out on my route. Like this is the way I go to the store and then kind of identifying some plants that I want to draw or photograph there. Um, and so when you're drawing and photographing, um, you can find out their names um, and then you're, you're just wanting to notice their attributes, like how many petals, how many leaves, the branches. Um, my other favorite is finding and connecting with the tallest tree and the fattest tree in my neighborhood. And I went to the hospital to visit my grandma yesterday and I found the tallest tree just in the parking lot and we hung out and I was like, my grandma's in there, what are you doing out here? Um, and just, you know, sharing something like I'm a person, you're a tree. Um, and so when I, uh, okay, so how do I say this? What, I guess when I'm in a new place, kind of like I just said in the parking lot of a hospital, I just find a plant and say, hey, because um, there's just, there's plants all around us. So just, just finding one, just anyone, one that you pass by, maybe, um, engaging like 
physically in some way, but usually I just say hi, you know, maybe I touch it. Um, another way I really like and that I want to get back into because I am mostly hanging out with the plants is um, connecting with other animals through their tracks and scat. Um, and I just love that. I found some coyote poop the other day on our walk and um, sometimes I just track the other hikers, you know, with the footprints just to practice my skill or the um, vehicles that are going wherever, you know, after a rain or um, in the sand. Like if I go to the beach, I just track the people's footprints and kind of think about, um, you know, oh, they wandered off this way. Oh, that footprints wandered off that way. And just starting to practice that skill of tracking. Um, so I also love uh, trying to make my own medicine or not trying at this point, I do, but um, attempting to make your own medicine or cosmetics or toiletries or food, um, right? Anything that's calling to you like, oh, I've been wanting to make this. And I just want to tell you that making medicine on your own is, is, is fairly simple. You know, I think they give it a, try to tell us that it's hard and we need to go to the doctor, but it's fairly simple. And um, I believe in you. <laughs> um, and then I would say the last way is spiritually making an altar, having a journal, um, journaling your dreams. Um, those are great places to begin a journey of rewilding, I would say. Thank you for that. That's Those are all very doable, low barrier ways to access that. Um, and you, I mean, you're right, you can do any of those, whether you're in an urban setting or a rural setting, like it doesn't really matter. You don't even have to go outside. Yeah, you don't have to go outside. I love that too. Like from your window, if you're incarcerated, if you're in a psychiatric facility, um, you know, usually there's a, a tiny hole you can look out of and, um, you know, if sight is something you have, you can engage, um, you know, with the sky, with maybe birds going by, um, mm -hmm. there is always options, even your memories, if that's all you have, just tapping into a memory of when you were in nature and using your imagination. Mm -hmm. um, are there any offerings that you have going on that you'd like to share? Oh, I love that. Thank you. Uh, I'm like, huh? all of the holiday seasons are coming up. I'm currently kind of in a sanctuary moment. I'm trying to learn what a sabbatical is. So I'm like, I think I need one of those. <laughs> um, That's but, the eighth form of rest. <laughs> right? Of rest where you get paid to rest. I'm, I'm like, I need more details. <laughs> Figure out how I can apply for that and get some sabbatical. Um, so... All of that to say, what are we doing? Our Tis the Season fundraiser is in December. Um, we have a seed drive pretty much going on right now. So uh, if you grow your own seeds or connected with a community garden, we would love your seeds that you're growing. Um, we do a nourishment at home tutorial caption video series on YouTube. So that's something you can pop into. We have shut in pen pals. Um, so if you want a postal based letter and you have like immunocompromised or chronic pain or some like an elderly, some other reason you're shut in or if you're incarcerated or in a detention center, um, we would love to write you and 
have connection. So then our liberation meditation um, is kind of a new thing that we're doing via our Patreon and um, yeah, just doing regular meditations to help our community deepen that practice and for it to become normalized. I'm finding um, not a lot of genderqueer people of heritage are meditating or feel comfortable in a meditation space. Um, I'm definitely doing the liberation coaching have educational easings and illustrations that I'm always making. I'm actually a finalist in the Broken Pencil Zine Awards in two categories with my zines. Ooh, my exciting. Zine. Yeah, and I can actually talk about it now because it started today. It's been a secret, so I'm like, ah, out in the world. <laughs> Yay. Yay! I just made my first zine that I haven't released yet, so I'm, I'm a baby in that process, so I might have to tap you for some wisdom. <laughs> I love that. I actually have a, a zine making um, service and maybe I need to do more consultations and be encouraging of people making their own um, because I am all about that. Um, but some organizations um, work with me to get their message out to their community and kind of like a playful paper primer. Awesome. What is the best way for people to connect with you? Um, our website is artisticapothecary.org. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash authentic creations. Um, that's mostly where we hang out. You can find our YouTube off of that and kind of everything that's happening. And we have a newsletter. So at the bottom of our website, you can sign up for that. Last but not least, Kuwajisiri, uh, who would you like to name for our community shout out? Are there any um, BIPOC individuals or groups that you would like us to highlight to encourage folks to redistribute resources to? Nice. Um, yes, of course we're doing that work and it is um, birthed out of the Indigenous Diné Supporters Network. So I'll definitely first give them a shout out and it's kind of growing into a word of mouth network so I would encourage you to tell you know everyone in your social circle that you're interested in participating and you'll actually be surprised that someone in your network already is doing this work um, although you can definitely come to our website and message me and I can get you linked up to either sponsor an elder or go aid a family directly on their home site um, and there are resources online and uh, the Spanish name for the tribe is Navajo. Um, so there's definitely some resources. Um, and then we just did a year with the Taino people in Borique, Puerto Rico, working with Urbie Apie, U-R-B-E-A-P-I-E. And so I definitely want to give them a shout out and they have a community garden, a community squat, a community gallery, a community uh, what, thrift store. And so they have super inspired me on, they have a community market, just so many amazing resources for their community. Um, and you can PayPal them through their website. 
Yay. Thank you so much for sharing that info. Um, um, That we have a resource page on our website because there are a lot of great um, groups doing work. And so kind of everyone that we're partnered with in any way um, is on there. So I definitely just want to shout out that space too. And, you know, we need more kind of networking resources like that too. Oh, I love it. We can um, link to that resource page on the show notes so people can get to it pretty easily. All right. So before we wrap up this conversation, is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners? Oh, no. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting decolonial liberation work. I'm so proud of all of you who are listening. This is hard work. We are doing it. We're doing this generational work of freedom. Um, I'm just honored to be doing it with you, especially you, Jamie. Thank you for having me on here. And this talk today really enlivened me. You know, I'm like, I feel rested from this conversation. I'm like zinged up, energized. I'm like, this is my life. (laughs) Just really proud of myself. So thank you. Oh, you should be. You're doing so much cool stuff. And I'm so glad that we got to connect through this podcast. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being such a fantastic guest. You're welcome. Take care. Madaming Salamat for listening to the Decolonizing Medicine podcast. Music is by Amber Ojeda, Head Candy, and Rocky Marciano. Big thanks to Lauren Ellen McCann, my sweetie and fabulous audio engineer, and all our listeners and supporters out there. Ingat! <laughs>